0: Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's Word. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. Everybody doing all right? We good? Good. Hey, I've missed you guys. Uh, you know, summer's kind of crazy, and so when you take some of the vacation time that I've taken, the vacation maybe that you've taken, or trips or things that you've done, the weather's been nice, maybe you went to the pool or the lake or your backyard to grill out or whatever it was, I just feel like for some of you, I haven't seen you very much, and, and uh, so I've, I've missed you guys, and uh, and it's done a couple of things this summer for me. This has been a whirlwind kind of year, uh, a lot has happened. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that next week, but uh, it's, it's been a crazy kind of year. And, uh, and, and so this summer, we've intentionally tried to kind of be real intentional with some time off and some things that we were going to do together as a family. And, and so as a part of that, it's really made me think or, or be kind of aware of three things. One, how thankful I am for what God has been doing in our church this last year. Um, all of the things that God has been doing. I'm so thankful for that. And, and again, we'll talk about that more over the next few weeks together. And Second of all, it's made me very, very thankful for the team that God has assembled here at Canton Church. Uh, we're very lucky just to have a great staff team, and uh, pa- uh, Pastor Trevor Heineman and, and Pastor Matt Popham, they lead in our students and our kids and guest services and life groups, and Matt Bayer, and uh, helps support so many of the ministries that you see and, and that we experience together. And uh, Corey and I are just so thankful for them and for their families and the ministry that they do uh, on a regular basis. And I should affirm them more uh, more often publicly, but man, I just love them and I'm thankful for them. And and this summer, as we've been away, like there's been no part of my heart like, oh, I'm worried about it. No, like, they're, they're better at it than I am, for sure. And so I'm just thankful for them. And if you haven't listened to some of the messages that Pastor Trevor or Pastor Matt spoke over the last few months or last few weeks, like, you need to do that. That message last week on faithfulness was one for the books. Like, you need to go back and listen on our podcast and just catch up there. But I just, I'm thankful for them. So that, that's really the second thing. And then the third thing that's really happened in my heart this summer is just an excitement about what God is doing and what God's about to do. Some of the things that are coming up, you heard just a second ago, next week back to school prayer we want to pray over our kids and teachers and administrators for this school year just believing that it's going to be the best school year yet for them and just understanding that because generations matter which is why we exist that we want to help launch them into just a great school year and just to affect change and and to just live uh, with excellence there in the schools and then uh, two weeks from now august 5th everybody say two weeks that was not all of you were with me some of you were checking facebook say two weeks so August the 5th we kick off a brand new series to kind of start our fall ministry calendar called home made and and I believe this is not pastor speak here I really believe that those three weeks in this series could change your life forever I, I'm as excited about that series as I am just about any series that we've done in our church in a long long time and so I believe it can change your marriage and change your life and change the circumstances of your families and change your jobs I, I really believe that so I encourage you be here in two weeks as we kick off that series and bring some folks with you because I believe it could change their life as well. And then the Global Leadership Summit on August 9th and 10th, just as we welcome to our facility business leaders, community leaders, church leaders. It's not too late for you to register if you want to be a part of that. Two days of just growing together in leadership so that we can lead in our community in ways that impact change for the glory of God. So I'm excited about what God's doing. But today we are continuing in week eight of Fruitology. And when we started the summer, I thought, man, this is going to take forever. And some of you are like, yeah, it really has. This is week eight. We feel it. Like, we got you. But I feel like it's flown by. Like, I feel like we're in week eight and we just started it. But over these last eight weeks, we've really been looking at the fruit of the Spirit and understanding what is, what is fruit of the Spirit and what is it that God's calling us to and how is God working that in our lives and, and recognizing that the fruit of the Spirit as it's being developed in us is actually just characteristics of God himself. God is love and God is joy and God is peace and God is kind and God, all of these things that we've been talking about, they're just the attributes of God. And so, as we are spirit led and the fruit of the Spirit are exhibited in our lives, we just more and more reflect the character of God and we more and more look like Him and reveal Him to those around us in our lives. And so it's been a great series. It's exceeded my expectations, which I said in the first service is pretty difficult because I had pretty high hopes for the series. Um, I'm not a glass half full guy. I'm like a glass is all the way full guy. I'm like, if it's water and air, like we're all the way to the top somehow. Like I see that silver lining. So when we were planning this series, I thought this would be great. Nine weeks looking at the fruit of the spirit and it's been even better than I thought. Uh, But uh, it's been great. So this week is, is week eight, And what we've been talking about all summer long is that in Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul helps us to see that really there are just two ways for you to live. You think you have a lot of choices. I think sometimes that I have a lot of choices. But really, you've just got two ways to live. You can choose in any circumstance to live by the flesh, according to Paul, or you can live by the Spirit. In every encounter, every conversation, every decision, you really have that choice. Do I live by the flesh or do I live by the Spirit? And and that shouldn't feel constricting to you. It should actually feel freeing to you because sometimes we get so overwhelmed that there's just a thousand decisions and a thousand options and a thousand things. And really, if we boil it all down, it's just, hey, am I honoring God with this? Is this spirit led living or is this my flesh? Is this just my passion or my desire? And, and, And it's not like if you want it, then that means it's bad. Because I believe that God gives us the desires of our heart. But we understand that is this decision going to help me more fully reveal the nature of God? Is it going to help me love God more? Is it going to help people see God in me more or or not? And that's where we come down to these decisions of, am I living by the flesh or living by the Spirit? And in Galatians chapter 5, what we see is that Paul outlines for us what those fruit of the Spirit are. And I talked about a few of them just a minute ago. He says this in verse 22. He says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so he describes what the fruit, singular, one fruit of the Spirit is is in your life and in my life. And then he also describes that there are works, plural, of the flesh. That you have this singular fruit, even though it's exhibited in nine things, because it's really just about being more Christ-like, just reflecting the nature of God. So there's one outcome here. And then you have these works, plural, all these different things of the flesh as we choose to live that way. And this is what it says in verses 19 through 21 earlier in that same chapter. It says the works of the flesh are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and a bunch of other things just like this. He says there are so many things that can happen as a result of you living by your own desires and your flesh and the things that you choose that do not glorify God. Like here's a list of some of those things, but not even all of those things if we live by the flesh. So if we choose to go that way with the decisions of our lives, then the outcome, the results, the works are these terrible, nasty, awful, just revolting types of things as opposed to this one thing exhibited in nine characteristics of the fruit of our lives being lived as spirit led and so today what we come to is we come to gentleness gentleness and the problem for me as I think about gentleness is I realize I made a mistake when we laid the series out I gave all the easy weeks away to our other staff guys and I took all the hard weeks because a couple weeks ago I talked about goodness and you think you know what goodness is until you got to stand up and talk about goodness for a little while and now I've got gentleness and my problem is I don't really know what gentleness is because when I think about gentleness, as I've tried to wrestle with it all week long, all, for a couple of weeks, knowing that this Sunday was coming, the only picture that I could get in my head was the first time that they handed me our newborn baby. Because, I mean, I just, I felt like I was going to break them even if I tried not to, like I just felt like if they, if they could in some way, like they gave me the baby and you know, it's just like awkward. Like you just can't, how do you receive a baby in a way that doesn't feel or look like you don't know what you're doing? Have you ever tried to receive a baby from someone else? Cause they've got them wrapped up. So how do you go forearm to forearm and the baby hop over their forearm into your forearm? Like you can't do it. So then you have to outstretch both hands and take the baby. And for a moment, you look like you're in Lion King, like ah, like you don't know how to hold the baby. And so the nurse would come to me with Cooper, our oldest, and like with a lot of fear and trepidation. I don't think she trusted dad. And it was like, I've got him. But I didn't really have him. But I was trying to be as gentle as I could for nine months. We had anticipated this moment. Now, I recognize I'm the guy here. I didn't carry the child. I got you. I, I know I did not birth the baby, but I walked that road with my wife. I, I also gained pregnancy weight in full support of her just to be a loving, compassionate husband and just, you know, I'm with you. But you're like, Corey did not have those weird cravings like some of you may have had, ladies, where, you know, like pickles with salami, with tomato, with mayonnaise sandwiches or something at 4 a.m. Like, she didn't have that. You know what she had? Crushed ice. She just wanted crushed ice. And if you didn't know this, Zaxby's will sell you their ice in a bag for 50 cents through their drive-thru. I just changed somebody's life right here in this room tonight. Like... (laughs) She just wanted crushed ice. In one pregnancy, she wanted Mountain Dew. She doesn't drink Mountain Dew now. She thinks it's awful, but in one pregnancy, she wanted Mountain Dew. And so, like, I was participating to the fullest extent that I could to help her that this was going to be a successful pregnancy. And so, there came that moment when they handed Cooper to me, and I was like, trying to be gentle, you know? And the nurse is looking at you like, and you're like, I I got that. And you realize now you look like an idiot. And then we had Branson, and it's like, I've already got one under my belt. I've got this. And still, you just, you just don't even, just hand me the bait. Like, you just don't even. And then Tucker, and I'm like, I'm an expert now. We've had two, right? And you just still can't. Like, I just want to be gentle. And then we had Kenley, and I was like, three boys rough. Like, I guess I was too rough with them. I want to be gentle and kind. And, care. and I just, you just, that's the only picture I can get in my head related to gentleness. Is just receiving, holding a newborn baby for the first time. You just want to be so gentle. And maybe your translation didn't say gentleness related to the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe it called it meekness, which doesn't help me at all. Because when I think about meek, maybe it's because of a Christmas song that I was taught as a child. But every time I think about meek, I think about mild. And I think about meek people standing in the corner not wanting to disrupt the room. And so the meek and mild people are over here and they don't even want to speak because then that's too loud and they're afraid they're going to offend somebody. And so I've got gentle guy over here and I got meek guy over here. And I'm like, is this what Paul was calling us to in the fruit of the Spirit? I mean, surely this is not what he was saying that Spirit-led living looked like. And so we come to a few places in the New Testament today that I think will help us to see meekness or gentleness in a little different light. And then we'll go to the Old Testament for a moment and just kind of pull one proverb out that I think will help give us some clarity there. Because there's several places that we can identify here what gentleness really looks like in the life of a believer. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is one of two letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of people in the city of Corinth. Now when we have the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, that was also a letter that he wrote to a group of people. So this was a different group of people in a different location as he's describing for them what they should do to correct the way that they're doing church. They were having some problems. They were in a very secularized city in that time, in that context of history. And so he's describing for them how they should correct some things and how they should live among those who are against them. And this is what it says beginning in verse 1 of 2 Corinthians 10. Now I, Paul myself urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ i who am meek when face to face with you but bold toward you when absent what he describes in this one verse here is several things one he says i paul try to urge you by the meekness and gentleness of christ he is telling us that christ himself was meek and gentle And so as I think about that, before I even unpack what it looks like for me, I just try to think about those moments where Christ himself was gentle and meek. And I think about the fact that he came to earth as a newborn baby. God could have sent his son in any form. He could have sent Jesus and he showed up like some of his followers thought he should have been as the conquering king, crown on his head, scepter in his hand, thrown behind him. I'm the guy. What's up? Let's go. Right? He could have showed up like he was the general of the army, ready to fight, sword in hand. And yet God, trying to demonstrate something to us, sent Jesus as a baby. There's a gentleness there. There's a there's a meekness, meek and mild. And then we see Jesus as he grows up. And he shows up in places of ministry where the religious leaders wanted to confront the things that were happening with the truth, with the truth, with the truth, with the truth. And they were hammering the law, hammering the law into people's lives, fully judgmental. And Jesus, never shying away from the truth, but bringing that truth with a grace that was almost unheard of would show them the truth and show them grace. He was full, not half and half, full of grace and truth. There was a gentleness to the way he even approached those who were far from God. There's something that I'm supposed to learn in that, I believe. There's something that I'm supposed to see in that. And then Paul goes on, as he says, I urge you, I come with the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I, who am meek when face to face with you, but bold toward you when absent. And man, I identify with this. Because he says, when I am away from you, I can think of some really strong words to use about you. But when we get face to face, I am much gentler. You ever thought of something you should have said right after the person walked away? Only me. Okay, great. Well, I'm the only person then. But when I have conversations with people sometimes and I wanted to say something, but I can't ever really think like, what should I say right here? I want to say something. I want to defend this. I want to argue this. I want to say this thing. Oh, this would be witty. I I can't ever come up with that. But in the moment that they turn around and walk away, I'm like, you know what I should have said, right? Because that's what Paul's describing here. He's saying, while we're far apart, I'm bold in my instruction to you, in my correction of you. Because I want you to know that I'm serious. I want to get your attention. But when we're face-to-face, I am meek and gentle because I want to exhibit the grace that Jesus himself brought to the table in face-to-face conversation. That's me. In present day, this might be best exemplified through text messages. Do you have anybody in your life that will text you things they will not say to your face? I do. I've got people that are way more direct and way more honest. And when you get with them, they they will not say anything confrontational at all. But in a text message, whether it's all caps or not, it sounds like they're screaming at me. Right? And then I have other people in my life that will text these affectionate, affirming, like people that I don't really know that well. Talking about how much they love me. And then when I show up to church and see them in the lobby, I think we're boys. And so I walk up and I'm like, what's up? they're like, what's up? And they just turn around and walk away. (laughs) You told me you love me. You were bold when we were apart. And now you're meek face to face. I don't even understand what's happening right now. And yet Paul told us in 2 Corinthians 10, that's what happens. That face to face, there's a meekness that is required. He said, but I was bold when I was apart from you. And so we recognize that there's something that he's wanting us to live out. There's something that he's wanting us to carry out in our conversations with one another. We need to be gentle and meek in the way that Christ was gentle and meek. We need to be meek in the way that Paul was as he was face to face with those that he was doing life and ministry with here in the city of Corinth, in this church. But Paul wasn't the only guy that talked about gentleness. He wasn't the only guy that talked about meekness. We also see that Peter... One of the 12 disciples. He, he was writing in the New Testament. He was writing a letter. Uh, and so as he's writing here in First Peter, he, he's writing really to a group of persecuted people, persecuted Christians, and he's challenging them and instructing them on how they should respond, how they should live as they're facing this persecution. And this is what it says in First Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 15. But in your hearts reveal Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Now, I love a couple of the things that he's writing about here, but he says to start with, even as you're being persecuted, even as bad things are happening, revere, hold in reverence Christ in your heart. No matter what's happening, no matter how sad you are, mad you are, scared you are, hold your reverence to Christ in your heart. And then he goes on to say, as you're being persecuted in this context, always be prepared to give an answer. To everyone who asks you to give reason for the hope that you have. As people are persecuting you, they're gonna see the hope that you possess. They're gonna see the hope that you have. As bad things are happening in your life, they're gonna see the hope that you have and they're gonna go, What in the world does this come from? How do you have hope in the midst of these circumstances? And he said, Be prepared to have an answer. But as you answer them, do this with gentleness and respect. Now, the problem that I have is when somebody calls something about me into question, I want to get defensive. I want to respond angrily. I, I, want, to, I want to match their level of accusation with my level of defense. How dare you say that about me? I was just doing that because that's what I was told. I was doing that because I thought that was right. I was, what do you mean? I got? But he says, no, no, no. When you're giving an answer, when you're responding, do so with gentleness and respect. And as you do so with gentleness and respect, what you actually do is you actually cause everyone else who's watching this interaction to see the other person who's making the accusation about you in a more negative light than they see you. They they see that person who's persecuting you, accusing you, challenging you, being mean to you, whatever it is, as you respond with gentleness and respect— the other people and maybe that person too would recognize that you have a different hope they would recognize your good behavior in Christ and they would realize and be ashamed of their own behavior and other people would look at that and go man they should be ashamed of themselves they should be ashamed because look how they're gentle in their answer they're respectful in their answer and really that whole idea comes from one of the most famous Proverbs, I believe. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. It says this, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. As I was thinking about our time together today and trying to help Come up with something with the help of the Lord that would help really unpack this idea of gentleness. I thought about the game of ping pong. How many of you have ever played ping pong or table tennis? Raise your hand. Keep your hands raised. How many of you, even if you have not played, you know what that game is? Just raise your hand. Alright, I'm not going to ask you to put your hands down and anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about to raise your hand. But there may be a few of you. And if so, you're going to be confused for the next four or five minutes. And I apologize. Ask the person beside you to explain it on the way home. I'll do my best to explain it. But ping pong's a really fun game because it is tennis on a table. Thusly named table tennis. Because what you have is you have a net in the middle And you have two sides of the court or the table here in ping pong. And each player, one on one side, one on the other, if you're playing doubles, you do the math, right? Two on this side, two on this side. You're all holding a paddle and there is this little ball. And your objective is to hit the ball with your paddle eventually over the net to their side of the table in a way that they cannot return it back to your side so that you can win the point. So your whole objective, and and I don't bring this up just because I want, I'm very good at ping pong, all right? Pride is not one of the fruit of the spirit. Just keep praying for me, okay? But ping pong's not an easy game to play. Not really. Not if you're going to spin it right and you're going to play it right. I mean, I don't think I could be an Olympian, maybe semi-pro, but not an Olympian for sure. But I have watched some very athletic people attempt to play ping pong and they're not good. Like Pastor Trevor, he's not good. But the objective here is that I would hit the ball in such a way with the right amount of spin at the right angle that would go away from the opponent so that I win the point. And then there is this really, really fun thing you can do sometimes in ping pong. If you're playing against somebody that's not as good as you, right, like when I'm playing Trevor. So (laughs) the opponent will hit the ball onto your side in such a way that maybe it hangs over the net for a little while. Or maybe it bounces in such a way that you can take your paddle, and this is is not against the rules. You can take your paddle, and as hard as you want to, you can hit it right at them, trying to let it bounce before it hits into them. It is so much fun. It's called a spike. Oh, my goodness. It's a a lot of fun. And so if you do that, if you do it right, they can't return it because it goes up really high, and you just, man, you hammer it back to their side, and they can't. You win the point. But that's ping-pong. That's not life. The problem is, if we could superimpose ping-pong for a moment, over all of our relationships and every conversation that we take part in, a lot of us are trying to win every point in such a way that they can't return serve. Some of us get so much joy out of spiking the ball at our opponent, a.k.a. our spouse, a.k.a. our son or daughter, a.k.a. our coworker, we want to spike it so hard that they are bruised and they have lost the point and they go sulking back wherever they came from and they know, I'm better than you. They just, they just ask a question. That'll teach you to ask me a question again. They just just made a mistake. Wham! Don't think I'll ever forget it. They just, just, I mean, wham! Wham! That's my flesh. That's my flesh. But spirit-led living says that as the Spirit of God is at work in me, then the characteristics and the nature of God live in me are expressed through me in such a way that the person on the other side gets the opportunity to return the ball back to me. It's a two-way conversation. I answer in a gentle way that keeps the game going. Because like, if... If I'm playing ping-pong, I want to win as fast as possible. I want to score as many points without you scoring very many points so that I win the game. But in marriage, in parenting relationships, in job relationships, in school relationships, in friendships, in church relationships, the objective is not that you win every point. The objective is that you deepen the relationship and you keep having conversation and you grow together in Christ. And so I've got to answer gently. I've got to return serve in a way that they can return serve so that I can return serve so that they can hit it back to me so that I can hit it back to them. And we have this conversation and hopefully through that we have a deeper understanding of one another. And we have a deeper understanding of what God's wanting to do in us and through us because ping pong is not life. So a couple of questions for us today. Dad, how often have your kids said something to you only to have you spike it right back in their face? Wife, how often has your husband made an honest mistake only to have you spike his past mistakes right back in his face? Son, How often have mom or dad given you a warning only to have you spike your disbelief that they know anything about what they're talking about right back in their face? Interchange the names, interchange the roles. I think if we're honest with ourselves today, we can find ourselves in that type of interaction. And the question then is, how gentle is our response? How gentle are we in the way that we interact with people? When they're done interacting with us, do they see more of Jesus or less? More grace or more truth? There's a balance. I'm not saying shy away from the truth. I'm not saying cor- don't correct the things that need to be corrected. I'm not saying don't discipline your children. I'm not saying don't have hard conversations. We need to do that. But it says that he was full. Jesus was full of grace and truth. If you just bring truth, you're unloving. Because there's a grace that comes with that truth from God. But if you just bring grace, you're a liar. you got to find that balance. Bring that gentleness. Let it come into our conversation. Let it come into our relationships. So that there's a back and a forth to the conversation and to the relationship. So that we're both stronger in the end. Maybe you win some points. But at what risk? The risk of losing relationship with somebody that you say that you love? Yeah, you won the point. You proved your point. But what did it say to them about the way that you feel about them? Maybe, it, maybe it's not dad, wife, or son, or daughter, Christian in the room. I realize not everybody in the room is a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, but if you are for just a second, just perk your ears up. How many times are we on Facebook or social media or we see something and it's so against what we believe that we decide to spike our beliefs into the comments and we prove we're right, but we actually disprove Christianity to that person? We disprove our love for them. I'm not talking about shy away from the truth. Full of grace and truth. Bringing that gentleness and that meekness in our response in such a way that they want to have a conversation and then we can actually unpack the love of God towards them or bring correction where it's needed. But in the relationship where it's going to be heard, and not just spiking it home. I'll show you. I'll prove to you gentleness and respect. A gentle answer turns away wrath. A gentle answer turns away wrath. And as I thought about that, I came to this conclusion gentleness is an action, it is an action, but it's most often expressed best in reaction. I believe that you can be gentle just as you initiate. I believe that if you're holding truth and there's something you could come at and you could go, Hey, I'll show you. Like You can be gentle in in the first instance, the first initiated part of that conversation. But I think gentleness is most often expressed best in reaction. When someone comes harshly to you, when someone comes in accusation of you, when someone comes in challenge of you, when someone comes and they bring something hard and you just... Gently return it back so that the conversation can continue. Gentleness is an action, but it's most often expressed best in reaction. Where we react with gentleness and respect. Like Peter talked about, when we give an answer, when we respond. Maybe even saying it like this, meekness first often looks like weakness. If you're just meek and mild, it looks like weakness sometimes. Meekness first looks like weakness, but meekness second looks like strength. When we respond, and we could be angry, and we could be loud, and we could be, but we respond with compassion and grace and forgiveness and forbearance and long suffering, and we we love and we're patient and we're kind. It's strength. I promise you, maybe not the first time, maybe not the second time, maybe not the fifth time, but I promise you that at some point in that relationship, in that conversation, even if they don't say it out loud, they're going to go, What in the world is different about them? Maybe they do verbalize it to you. They say, There's something different. You used to scream and yell and holler and you used to hold my past against me and you used to do this and do that. And you can go, You know what? That was my flesh but i'm trying to crucify my flesh and my desires and i'm trying to allow the spirit of god to rise up in me so that my reactions my behavior my tone my temperament is gentle in ways that honor god and reflect his grace towards me spirit led living don't be afraid to be gentle Men, don't be afraid to be gentle. It's not weakness. It's strength. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment as we conclude our time together today. If you would say to me today, Jeremy, for me it starts with making a decision to follow Jesus Christ. I've not asked him to be the Lord and Savior of my life. And before we get way down the road here, I just... I need to invite God and the Spirit of God into my life before He can ever be demonstrated in my life. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I ask Him to forgive my sins today. If that's you, would just lift your hand right where you're at. Thank you so much. You can put it right down. Now, if you would say to me, Jeremy, I just want to be a gentler person in conversation, in relationships. I want to return harsh statements with gentle answers. I want to treat people with gentleness and respect in ways that honor and glorify God. And I just want God to help me. I want the Spirit of God living in me to help me to be a more gentle person. Would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Thank you so much. God, we love you today, and we thank you for your word. We thank you today that we're not here just to sing songs, not just to greet one another. Not even to really hear me speak, but God, to hear your word go forth. And I ask you today that anything that I have shared that creates confusion, that God, your Holy Spirit would bring correction in this moment to help all of us to more and more identify with what it is that you're saying to us today. God, we now celebrate with those who made a decision to follow after you, to be the Lord and Savior of their life. God, we celebrate with heaven now as they've made that decision. And God, I pray for every hand that was lifted today for those who desire to have a gentler demeanor, to return harshness with a gentle and meek response, to treat people with gentleness and respect so that others would see you in our lives. God, be glorified in all that we say and do. Help us not to prove every point and disprove you in our lives. Help us not try to win every argument and lose the relationship. God, perhaps marriages in this room, they just lack that one thing, and maybe it's gentleness a little bit more. Parent and child relationships, perhaps they're just missing a little more gentleness in conversation with one another. God, on our jobs, in our homes, would you let gentleness go first and second? God, we thank you for who you are. Be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.